listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. There once was a man who sat under a tamarisk tree in Gibeah powerful and strong, now clinging to the last ounce of authority that he had left. Certainly no power from the Lord, certainly no promise of better days, just a a loosening grip, grip on a splintering kingdom, spear in hand. The king looked out from the height over the servants that sat before him. Here now, people of Benjamin, Will that son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards? Will he make you all commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds? The king bellowed across the land. It was the echoing prophecy fulfilled from Samuel that the king will take and take and take and then give to another. Well, this man didn't care about the nation. He cared about himself and his own people. Are you, are you going to conspire against me? I mean, is, is no one going to tell me when my own son makes a covenant with that son of Jesse? I mean, no one feels sorry for me that, that my own flesh and blood son has stirred up my own servant against me, that he lies and waits for my slaughter. None of you all care? And among the deafening silence, there was a man that answered. A wicked and deceitful man. A man that lurked in the shadows like a coward. A man named Doag, an Edomite from the line of Esau, definitely no friend of of God's people. I've, I've seen the son of Jesse come to Nam. And I've seen him talking to that priest, Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. In fact, the priest, he prayed to the Lord for him and gave him some bread and handed him the sword of Goliath. And so it was. Like the snake had pressed play on one of the most brutal narratives of 1 Samuel. For King Saul, spear in hand, stood above the rest, a man in distress, a man in debt, a man in bitterness gathers his minions to go slaughter the Lord's priest because if he can't kill David, someone must die. I mean, it's, it's really, really bad news. And to confess, most of us, I believe, are tired of really, really bad news. I, I know this world... Um, was broken before 2020, but ever since that year, it, it, feel, it feels like our entire news feed is just one disaster after another sickness and death, inflation, the slaughter of innocent lives, a Middle East unhinged, bad news after bad news, and there's, there's a, 
a trap hidden in all of that. A trap that convinces us that the world is collapsing around us as if 2023 is the worst year on record, as if we're the only generation to deal with horrific realities, as if bad things, you know, they just only happen to us. And so we find ourselves uh, trapped into this false narrative that things are only bad now, and like if we could just go back 50 years in time, then everything would be perfect. Friends, things weren't perfect 50 years ago. Maybe better in America for some, but not perfect. Things weren't perfect 2,000 years ago. Things haven't been great since Genesis 3. The news is, is nothing new. It's a reminder of what has always been stirring in the heart of man. And so I want to show us from 1 Samuel 22 how followers of Christ might respond in a broken world. A world that is filled with hate. A world that is filled with war. A world that is filled with terrorists. A world that is filled with death. So this is the story of the brutal murder of Ahimelech and his entire family. We'll be in 1 Samuel 22. I'll start in verse 11. If you have a digital Bible, I'll read out of the ESV. If you have a bulletin, all of that is in your bulletin and then the um, supplemental passages will be on the screen. But before we read the passage, let's pray together. God, we come before you with a heavy passage. And we come before you with um, heavy hearts on the reality of living in such a wicked and broken world. God, I pray that you would teach us. Teach us what men and women of God really look like, what they think, how they act in a world that feels so messed up. God, help us to be humble enough to, to hear your word this morning that you might change us. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. We'll start in verse 11. This is 1 Samuel uh, chapter 22, starting in verse 11. Then the king sent to summon Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitub, and, and all his father's house, the priests who were at Nob, and, and all of them came to the king. And Saul said, Hear now, son of Ahitub. And he answered, Here I am, my lord. And Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse? And that you've given him bread and a sword and have inquired of God for him so that he has risen against me to lie and wait as it is this day. And then Ahimelech answered the king, Who among all your servants is so faithful as David? Who is the king's son-in-law and captain over your bodyguard and honored in your house is today the first time I've inquired of God for him? No. 
Let not the king impute anything to his servant or to all the house of my father, for your servant has known nothing of all of this, much or little. And the king said, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. The king said to the guard who stood about him, Turn and kill the priest of the Lord, because their hand is also with David. And they knew that he fled and did not disclose it to me. But the servants of the king would not put out their hand to strike the priests of the Lord. So the king said to Doag, you, you, turn and strike the priest. Doag the Edomite turned and struck down the priest, and he killed on that day 85 persons who wore the linen ephod. And Nob, the city of the priest, he put to the sword, both man and woman, child Infant, ox, donkey, sheep, he put to the sword. But one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abathar, he, he escaped and fled after David. And Abathar told David that Saul had killed the priest of the Lord. And David said to Abathar, I, I knew on that day when Doag the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I'm the one, I, I've occasioned the death of all the persons of your father's house. Verse 23, stay with me. Do not be afraid, for he who seeks my life seeks your life. With me you shall be in safekeeping. We need to do some work before we get into the heart of the story. Ahimelech is the high priest, the son of Ahitub. He comes from a long line of priests that originated back in Exodus Chapter 28, in Exodus 28, God appointed Aaron, the older brother of Moses, to become the high priest of God's people. And his sons and those after him would become a part of the priesthood. So when I say the Levitical line of priests, that's the genealogy that I'm referencing. Exodus 28, starting in verse 1. Then bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with them from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu and Eleazar and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. And you shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with a spirit of skill. That they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate them for my priesthood. So that's the background of Ahimelech. He's a part of the priesthood that goes all the way back to the Exodus and his forefather Aaron. And every year the high priest would go into the tabernacle on the tenth day of the seventh month. And he would put on this holy linen garment of all white. He would select two male goats for a sinner offering. He would select a ram for a burnt offering. He would select a bull for a sin offering for himself and for the entire household. He would cast lots or roll the dice for one of the two goats to be slaughtered for the sins of the people. The other one would escape, which is where we get the terminology scapegoat. And he would slaughter the bull as a sin offering for the priesthood. And then he would, he would enter the most holy of holies once a year, the Day of Atonement, or what you might have heard called the Yom Kippur. He would burn incense, he would sprinkle the blood of the bull and the goat on what is called the mercy seat. He would confess the sins of the people, he would leave and release the scapegoat. This was the role of the high priest and the priesthood to assist him. And if you're thinking, that's a lot, 
Well, it's a lot for a reason. Because the sacrifice of the high priest was never meant to forgive sins. It was meant to point us to Christ, the the final high priest who can. Hebrews 4, starting in verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. We, We do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, and yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to and help in time of help of need. And so since Christ is our high priest, guys, we don't, we don't have another. We, we, we aren't led by a pope, or a priest, but by Christ, which is super confusing to my children. Um, they either think, like, I don't, I don't have a boss, or I am the boss of the church, and I have to remind them, I'm, I'm accountable to the elders of East River Park, but Jesus is my boss. Christ becomes the last and final high priest. And since Christ died on our behalf, we are also invited to be part of the royal priesthood. Two verses I read last week. Let me read them again. 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 9. But you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Friends, that's the, the powerful outworking of the gospel that you are not a failure. You're not an addict. You're not anything that has happened in your past. If you are in Christ, you are now part of the royal priesthood. If you are in Christ, you are the holy nation, the church, the people of God, which has some serious implications of how we live our life right now. If we are set apart as holy, means we should, you know, we should think and live differently. So in light of all that, in light of biblical history and who we really are, I want us to look at the narrative in 1 Samuel 22, 11 through 23, because it's in this narrative that we're shown a glimpse of what it means to live in the royal priesthood. It is from Ahimelech the priest that we're challenged to, to live rightly, even in this really messed up world. So let me give you three questions. Three questions for the royal priesthood. If you're in Christ... And I do not assume everyone here is in Christ. But if you are in Christ, let me ask you three questions in light of 1 Samuel 22. Number one, uh, will you be faithful? Simple, will you be faithful? Verse 11, King Saul sent to summon Ahimelech the priest, the son of Hittub, and all his father's house, and all the priests who were at Nob, and the whole lot came to the king. And Saul said, Here now... Son of Ahitab, 
If you've noticed, like Saul can't even like bring himself to say someone's actual name to this point. Here now, son of Ahitub, here I am, my Lord. Why, why have you conspired against me? You and the son of Jesse, that you've given him bread and a sword and inquired of God for him now that he's risen against me and lies in wait to this day. And before we even hear the full response of Ahimelech, look at the character of Ahimelech. He was a man of faithfulness. Faithful to the king, and even if he knew that the king had all the wrong motives. Faithful to the priesthood, praying and pleading for David before God. Faithful to the anointed, providing shelter and supplies to the man on the run. Ahimelech wasn't oblivious to how backwards things have become for God's people. The gravity of the situation was not lost on him. Yeah, maybe, maybe he didn't fully understand how bad things were. We, we hardly ever do, but he was a faithful priest. Faithful to do what he was called to do, even in the middle of a terrible season. So it's simple, royal priesthood. Will you be faithful? I'm not asking, will you be successful? Because that causes our mind to race with countless things that we define as success. There are so many moms in this world that feel like they're failing. They aren't the, the superhero moms that they watch on TikTok. They aren't the together kind of moms they see on social media. There are so many husbands and dads. This morning, they don't feel like they're enough. They aren't providing enough. They aren't loving enough. They aren't present enough. They don't have enough of a house or a, a nice enough car or a large enough bank account. There's a tendency for the royal priesthood to feel like they're not enough. Dads, moms, grandparents, single men and women, they never feel like enough. And guess what? They aren't. Because Christ, our high priest, is. He is enough. Listen, royal priesthood, the mark of our success will be a mark of faithfulness. That's what constantly challenges my anxious heart. Not how big can I grow a church or how many followers can I acquire in ministry. My mark of success as the preacher of East River Park will be faithfulness. It's the words of Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Royal priesthood, just be faithful. Be faithful to Christ. Be faithful to show up for your family over and over and over again, even if you don't feel like it all the time. Be faithful to your spouse. Be faithful at work. Be faithful to the local church. Just like Ahimelech, we literally have no control over the outcome outcome but you and I well we can be faithful just a little glimpse the mark of success is faithfulness to the Lord even if it means he gets slaughtered in the process 
quit chasing dreams and visions that you and I, we don't need new information to unlock the life that we've always wanted. We need to be faithful to Christ and his word, even if the world's going to burn around us. Will you be faithful? Three questions for the royal priesthood. Will you be truthful? We get to the response of the priest in verse 14. And who among all your servants is so faithful as David? Ahimelech, I mean, did you not see how upset Saul is? Who is the king's son-in-law and captain of your bodyguard and honored in your house? Ahimelech, um, do you not see how angry Saul is? Is today the first time I've inquired of God for him? No. Are you unaware that Saul is out for blood? Don't, don't harm me or my family. We didn't know anything about all this drama, which is true. If you remember in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 2, David lied to Ahimelech about his intentions. Ahimelech knew there was a problem in the kingdom, but I doubt he knew how toxic it had all become. But at the end of the day, we know that Ahimelech was a man of truth, held fast to what was true and confidently declared what was true. He boldly told Saul, this isn't the first time I inquired to the Lord for the sake of David. A declaration of truth in spite of the enemy. So it's simple. Royal priesthood, will you be truthful? And that starts with loving what's true. Will you love Christ and his word? Jesus speaks to his disciples in John 14, 6. Jesus said, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me. We love truth because we love Christ, who is the way and the truth and the life. And since we love Christ, we also love the word. It's the prayer of Jesus for his disciples in John 17, 17. Sanctify them. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. I don't make a lot of comments on world events because it's hard to know what is true, what's not true. Better for me to keep my mouth shut than to open it, make myself look like a fool. Constantly changing news stories, opinions, the existence of AI. It's really difficult to know what is true sometimes, but the one thing I do know is the Word of God. It's the final truth and the authority in a world of constantly changing narratives, which is why we deeply believe in expository, expository preaching at this church. Y'all didn't come to hear my opinions about the war in Israel. I got plenty of them. Y'all didn't come to hear about who to vote for next year. Y'all didn't come uh, for a Jesus pep rally. We gather around the book because we want to know what the book says. And if you don't want to know what the book says, I promise you're, not, you're, you're really not going to like this church. We want the Bible. 
can't be truthful if we don't know the truth. We need the truth of God's word. Being truthful is most certainly being bold enough to call sin, sin, and then to declare the hope of the gospel. It's to boldly declare the sexual ethics of the Bible in a culture that's, that's redefining what marriage and gender is. It's to boldly call the wicked actions of terrorists sinful, regardless of history. It's to boldly declare love for enemies, even in a Christian climate that hates those that aren't on their side. Being truthful is the bold declaration of truth to others, but listen closely, it's also the bold declaration of truth to yourself. Telling someone else the truth is way easier than being honest with yourself. The royal priesthood must become a self-aware priesthood where we speak the truth over our own sin. We speak the truth of the gospel that conquers and redeems our own personal sin. Will you be truthful to others, including yourself? Will you love the truth, even if the world's going to mock you for it? Three questions for the royal priesthood. Let me give you the last one. Will you be fearless? Will you be fearless? Let me be honest with the condition of Ahimelech in chapter 21. It definitely seems like he's a man that is afraid. 1 Samuel 21, verse 1, David came to Nob to Ahimelech, the priest, and Ahimelech came to meet David, trembling, and said to him, Why are you alone and no one with you? The priest trembling in fear. He doesn't know everything that's going on. He knows enough to be afraid. So to me, at least, it's interesting that Ahimelech even comes to, to Saul at his request in 1 Samuel 22. It's interesting that Ahimelech even tells the truth with so, so much boldness. Why? Well, part of the answer is certainly that he fears God more than man. That's, that's what real priests do. Even if it's to their own demise, even if it's to the demise of their own family. Verses 16 through 19 is the brutal slaughter of the priest at Nob. You will die, Ahimelech, you and your whole house. And so Saul, he, he turns to nearby servants, kill the priest of the Lord. Because they helped David and wouldn't tell me where he was. And the servants stood frozen in fear. Kill the priest? All of them that can't. Can't be done. But there was a snake that would. You, Doeg the Edomite, strike down the priest. And that's exactly what he did. Eighty-five men slaughtered who wore the linen ephod. All the priestly families of Nob, sheep, donkey, ox, man, woman, child, infant, slaughtered at the request of wicked Saul. So being fearless is not the absence of evil. Being fearless is not the absence of all fear. Being fearless is the submission 
that there is no eternal reason to fear man. So let me read the obvious from Matthew 10, 28. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body and hell. Ahimelech struggled with scary situations, trembled when drama showed up at his doorstep, and yet he stood fearless before the anointed king and before the failing king. So it's simple, royal priesthood, will you be fearless? And you might be thinking, yeah, well, that one cost him his life. And not just his life, the life of everyone he loved. And not just cattle, but also children and infants. And yet it's simple. Didn't say it was easy, just said it was simple. Will you be fearless? See, the real problem is not that we are afraid. The real problem is that we are afraid of the wrong thing. Are you fearful of man or fearful of God? That's the mark of the royal priesthood. That's the mark of wisdom. William S. Plummer, he put it like this, no man acts with true wisdom till he fears God and hopes in mercy. So church, when did we stop believing in Philippians 1.21? When Paul says, for to me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Which is a lot easier to say in Carter County this morning than it is to say in Israel. It's a lot easier to say we aren't scared while we plan a harvest festival this afternoon and eat some chili. To be sure, most of us, myself included, have not had Philippians 121 truly tested in our heart, but geography and life experiences don't determine what is true and what is not true. To live as Christ, to die as gain, is true anytime and anywhere. We fear no news update. We fear no man. Why? Because even if you slaughter us all, we will rise again in Christ. The royal priesthood has no reason to fear war or rumors of war, the loss of a job, the impact of the economy, the results of cancer, the 2024 election, the fear of the Lord creates men and women that are fearless of men and women. Will you be fearless? I mean, even, even if it doesn't make sense to anyone else around you, will you be that one person in your family or in work that doesn't freak out over every news headline? Will you be fearless? Only one remained. It's the screaming of men and women and children and infants as they were cut down, the haunting murder of the Lord's priest. And only one remained. The son of Ahimelech ran and he fled to David to tell him the news. David, of course, just blames himself for not killing him when he had the chance. Only one remained. And David looked at this trembling son of Ahimelech and said, Stay with me. 
Do not be afraid. With me you shall be in safekeeping. The violent slaughter of the priest. Stay with me. Do not be afraid. With me you shall be in safekeeping. Friends, King Jesus, our high priest, gives us the same offer this morning. I know it's not easy to be faithful. I know it's not easy to to be truthful all the time. I know it's not easy to be fearless. We're we're going to fail sometimes. You're going to fail a lot of times. But King Jesus is giving the royal priesthood the offer, stay with me. Abide in me. Do not be afraid. With me you shall be in safekeeping. How do I know that? How how do I know that that offer is worth it? There was a vision by a man named John on the island of Patmos, a vision of heaven, a vision of the end of all things. Here's what John had to say when he saw Jesus. Revelation 1, starting in verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. One of my favorite parts of Revelation, the grace of Christ, says, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. So it is not lost to me that there is a ton of apocalyptic talk right now. A lot of revelation and end times chatter among the saints, but it seems that we've forgotten the end of the beginning. Because as bad as as things might get, let me tell you a not-so-hidden secret. Christians win. And they don't win when they get done killing all their enemies. Christians win because Christ has defeated death. Christians win because Christ has and he will crush the enemy. Fear not, royal priesthood. Christ holds the keys of death in Hades. Fear not, royal priesthood. Christ is the living one. Give you your main point. We'll pray. It's simple as that. Fear not. Christ is the living one. Let's pray together. God, we come before you in just complete confession. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we, we struggle to be faithful. Chasing success, whatever that might mean in our little world, struggle to be faithful. We struggle to be truthful. Scared to tell someone the truth. Scared to be honest with ourselves. So many times that I've I've had overwhelming fear of man. And I, I've lacked fear for you, God. We fail 
time and time again. And so I am thankful, God, we are thankful for King Jesus, our high priest, who understands what it means to be tempted in all of those things, but yet was sinless. For the call of the gospel, the call of our text, to abide in Christ, just to stay with him, that he will keep us safe, that Christians literally have no reason to fear anything or anyone except the Lord. I pray these things in your son's name.